0: during liturgy today, we all know now that Advent will begin next week, beginning next Sunday and moving forward all the way to Christmas. We talked about Advent being a time of preparation through repentance to receive the King of all. Now we know that we have been baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit have received Christ. What we are receiving is the awakening of Christ in our life. And we celebrate this at the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we prepare for a month for that experience. And we gain the experience of Christ all through that very month of preparation. But when we call it a a season of repentance, we must be on the same page. Of what the church teaches us and has forever taught us is the definition of repentance. I see far too many Christians, even in the Orthodox Church, that have a misunderstanding of repentance, which is why they never do it. Because if you think that repentance is groveling before your Lord and self-flagellation and beating oneself, you don't know repentance. The church has never known repentance. Rome got into that at some points. But the Orthodox Church has never known that definition of repentance, self-shaming, self-degradation. So I want to talk about the definition of repentance, or we're not going to get where the Lord is going to lead us with this blessed narrative all the way through Advent. The church has forever taught, and this is the most simplistic but yet profound definition of repentance. The church is forever taught that repentance is when a person comes back to their... It's the process by which I should say a person comes back to their true self. That's repentance. The process God grants us to come to Him so that we can be restored. So that we can be made whole. So that the result of the fall of mankind that has damaged the human person, granted us illness to our soul, can be healed and mended. And all of a sudden, man and woman become truly man and woman, as God has foreordained by creation for them to become. Coming back to our true... And it's done by the cooperation of man with the grace of God and in fellowship with God. I want to read to you a great definition, or I should say a great word picture, of repentance that's given to us by St. John Climacus, also known as St. John of the Ladder. St. John of the Ladder was a monk at the Monastery of St. Catherine from A.D. 579 to 649. And that's, that Monastery of St. Catherine, by the way, is still in existence. It's on the base of Mount Sinai itself. In fact, many of, there's a number of folks, parishioners here, De, I don't know Deacon went, a number of other, Sandy went. A number of other folks went to Israel and they actually went to this monastery. That's still in existence. Listen and see if you can't picture in your mind to give you the most true understanding of repentance from the words of St. John Climacus who said this, To repent is not to look downward at our shortcomings, but to look upward at God's love. It is not to look backwards with self-reproach, but to look forward with trustfulness. It is not to see what I have failed to be, but by grace, by God, what I might yet become. You see that? I wonder if you can find the error of your life in repentance. How much do you look back at your life with self-reproach? With shame? Well, that's satanic. Remember, we talked about this before. What was the, the, the deceptions in the garden? Remember the first one? You can become God like without God. You can become God without God. Eat this and you'll become like God. Satan totally threw the order of all things. What was the second deceit? Because you've done this, you dare not go before God. Because when God came and called upon Adam and Eve, He called them to come to Himself. But what did they do? They gave in to the second deception, shame. I'm not worthy to go before. I'm going to hide And we will never know what might have happened from the God of mercy had they responded to his calling. How many of us live in shame? Self-reproach, self-degradation. This is not the Christian life. It's not repentance. Repentance. It's not looking back. It's casting our eyes. And it's not that we don't see. You, know, you need to hear this. It's not that we don't see our lives and the things that are frailties, the mistakes that we make. Uh, we see our sinfulness. It's how we see it. Repentance is formulated. And you're going to see this in a Christmas carol. Repentance is formulated by what we see with the Isaiah experience in Isaiah and chapter 6. And you've heard me talk about this. God grants Isaiah a vision. What's the vision? The holiness of God in His holy temple eternal. Just by looking. what What is Isaiah doing? He's looking at it. He's looking at the perfection. He's looking at this incredible sight of a perfect God and a perfect temple. Because of that perfection, what does he see in himself? The The imperfection. Where are his eyes set first to look upon God? Then he sees himself. Then he offers himself. Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. What does God do with this blessed repentance that came from the gaze upon him? He takes a coal and he goes right to the nature of the fallenness of Isaiah. He says he touches his lips. What did he say? I'm a man of unclean lips. He takes a coal from the altar. And he touches his lips and cleanses the very core of Isaiah's frailty. And he heals him. And then what does he do? What does he do? He says, whom shall I send for me? Who will be my mouthpiece? This man of unclean lips. Get the incredible irony of the healing of God. This man with unclean lips. God says, Who will I send for me to be my mouthpiece? And Isaiah, having experienced the blessed joy of not only repentance, but healing. And God, he says, Here I am, Lord, send me. My mouth was unclean. You have made it clean. I go forth for you. And God would use Isaiah having cleansed him in the very root of his sin, and out of the root of his sin sprung life. you get the idea of repentance now? Well, I hope you will. But I pray that that definition challenges you. It is not looking downward at ourselves, beating ourselves up and going to God. It's looking to God first. I set my eyes on God in Advent. All these spiritual disciplines that we've talked about, they are a setting of our eyes on God. Because He touches them with grace. And He takes our face when it's down wallowing in our self-pity and self-degradation. And He takes our face and He says, look at me. Look at your Heavenly Father. Look at me. Let me deal with this, you see. That's repentance. You're going to see that in a Christmas carol. This series that we're going to do is a series within a series. Like I said, we've been talking about living in remembrance and this speaks very, very distinctly into it. Because part of our living in remembrance is a continuous 24 hour a day, 7 day a week living experience with God that we remember over and over again. Just like when Jesus took bread and wine and he broke it and he said, this is my body. I'm going to give you this experience. Do this, this in remembrance of me. Because he knew he was going to grant all of us the same experience the disciples had sitting at table with him at that banquet. So I'm going to let you experience me over and over again. My friends, repentance is the life of the Christian. It is an absolute integral part of the life of the Christian. Because again, if we define it rightly, what is repentance? The constant casting my face upon God, fellowship with him, So that I see myself the way he sees me. And whatever needs to be uprooted in my life, I offer it. He touches it with that blessed coal from the altar. And I go serve him from having been healed. Okay. Why am I using a Christmas carol during Advent? And how is this going to help us in our journey of repentance and the experience of God and the healing of our souls? Because of this. I wrote this on the website describing it. I thought I'd just share it with you verbally because it really is the very point. Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol is the beautiful narrative of how Scrooge is called to repentance by the examination of his past, the examination of his present, and the gift of the examination of his mortality with a look into future. Dickens grants us one of the great literary pictures of a man's soul so completely transformed and set free to return to its true self, the image and likeness of God. And so we're going to do these video segments from a story surrounded by teachings on how God shines His light divinely into our broken areas of our life so that He might heal us and restore us. You see, in a Christmas carol, we see Ebenezer Scrooge that has become, because of his brokenness in his past and the decisions of his present, you're going to see a man that you will look at and say, that is definitely not a man in the image of God. That is a lesser man than he was created to be. You're also going to see him called, and both of these will happen today. You're going to see the blessed call to repentance by his business partner, Jacob Marley, dead for seven years, that comes to visit him, to shine into his life the need for repentance. Why he must repent. And he's going to tell him that there are going to be three ghosts that are going to visit him to aid him in the breaking away of his chains that he might be if he will repent through this process that he might be healed and restored and brought to to be a full man again. The first ghost is the ghost of Christmas past. And I'm going to ask you this again in just a few minutes. Because we're going to look at the first about eight minute segment of a couple of pieces from this story where you see Scrooge as he is before the repentance. And one of the things I hope you'll ask yourself is, not just seeing him, I want you to be able to tell me, what do you see in this man? But secondly... You need to start asking your question, why is he this way? Just like with all of us, when our humanity comes to the surface and we dash against one another, one of the greatest questions we can ask in that moment very prayerfully for one another is, why? Help me see the soul of my brother or sister, or this person outside of the church. Why are they like this? Because that calms me from having to draw the sword and lop their head off, and now we've got a battle going on, right? Right. Right. So we're going to look at the ghost of Christmas past because he's going to show him some of his decisions from the past and the brokenness of a child that was deeply hurt in his childhood as he would be orphaned. So he became like this. We're going to see the ghost of Christmas present where the ghost is going to point out, number one, look at all that you're missing, all the joy you're missing out in today. And secondly, look at all the sins of omission. Look at the suffering around you. You don't care. Have a look. And then you're going to see the gift of mortality with the ghost of Christmas yet to come. And finally, and I can't wait for us all just to see this, especially in in a couple of the video productions, when you see this wrinkled up old man by all of this brokenness lock on to repentance and find healing, you're going to see a man turned inside out, filled with joy, overflowing with living waters that starts blessing everybody around him. This is the Christian journey. We're going to see it in a Christmas carol. This is our journey through Advent. So today we're going to begin with this. We're going to see Ebenezer Scrooge as he is before repentance. And we're going to see the call to repentance from his business partner, Jacob Marley. That's going to be just today. Then two weeks from now, because we're going to have Sunday school next Sunday right after Thanksgiving. Two weeks from now, we're going to look at his journey through with the ghost of Christmas past. And we're going to start looking at ourselves. What do we need to allow the Lord to show us from our past pains, our past disappointments, our past decisions that we need to offer to Him so that He might heal? Then we're going to look at the Ghost of Christmas Present. I want you to see yourselves. You may not be like Ebenezer Scrooge, but you are like Ebenezer Scrooge. You see, in various ways. So, Kent, if you would kill the lights, let's have a. I'm, I'm going to go through a couple of different video segments. Ask yourself this question What's wrong with Ebenezer Scrooge? What are the vices that you see in his life? Why does he need repentance? And we'll talk about it for a few moments, and then we'll watch The Call to Repentance by Jacob Marley, his business partner. In a moment.
1: Or it would be too much to ask that you return to the work, which I pay you so handsomely. Mr. Cratchit! The fire's gone cold, Mr. Screamer. and uh, no. There go. You keep Christmas in your way, and let me keep it in mine. Keep it? But you don't keep it. Let me leave it alone, then. <laughs> much good it may do, much good it has, don't you? There are a great many things from which I might have derived good, from which I have more profited, I dare say. Christmas among the rest. But I've always thought of Christmas time when it comes dry, as a good time, a kindly a forgiving charitable time. The time when men and women sing by one consent to open their shut-up hearts freely to their fellow creatures. And so Uncle them has never put a scrap of gold or silver into my pocket. I do believe that it has done me good. And I say, God bless it. <laughs> Not a sound from you. And you'll keep your Christmas by losing your situation. I'm quite a great powerful speaker, sir. I want you to give me parliament. Please don't be angry, uncle. Come. Dine with us, all. Dine you. I see myself in hell, sir. It will be a great joy to me. And to my wife. And yes, your wife. I'm told she brought very little to the marriage. Poor girl, I'm afraid. I love her. And she loves me. Love. Good afternoon, I want nothing from you. I have something of you. Why can't we be friends? You are wasting my time. <laughs> I'm sorry to find you so resolute. You've never had a about so that I. And so I shall keep my good human. And wish you a Merry Christmas. Goodbye. And a happy new year. Have a fine family of yours, Lord Crashing. Well, sir, all very well. Good, you'll give them my best wishes. Yes, sir, I shall. Thank you for remembering. Goodbye, Crashing. Goodbye, sir. Have a merry Christmas. Ah, it is made me late. i the exchange, Done. Until I have the cash Mr. Scrooge, I presume Indeed you do, sir You don't know us, nor do I wish My name is Poole And this is Mr. Hackey Now your alarm is heart, let me explain At this festive season of the year It seems desirable that those of us with means Should make some slight provision For the poor and destitute suffered greatly at this time. Tradition. Are you seeking money from it? Many thousands are in want of common necessaries. Hundreds of thousands are in want of common countries. Are there prisons? Plenty of prisons. The workhouses, they're still in operation? They are. I wish I could say they were not. The treadmill, the poor houses, still in full vigour? all very busy sir. What you said, something had stopped them in full force. A few of us are endeavoring to raise a fund to buy the poor some meat and drink and food and warmth. So, oh, what can we put you down down, unprofessional? Nothing. You wish to be anonymous. I wish to be left alone. Since you asked me what I wish, gentlemen, that is my answer. I don't make merry myself at Christmas, and I can't afford to make idle people merry. My taxes help support the public institutions, which I mentioned, and they cost enough. Those who are badly off, must go there. Many can't go there, and many would rather die. If they would rather die, perhaps they had better do so, and uh, decrease the surplus population. Surely you don't mean that, sir. With all my heart, now you will go about your business, gentlemen, and allow me to go about mine.
0: Without using any poor language, describe Scrooge to me. He's a bad dude. He's a very charitable person. Very Very charitable, yes. (laughs) Greedy to a fault. What's a greedy to a fault? Hard hearted. I'm sorry? Miserly. Miserly. Hard hearted. Hard hearted. He's angry. He's angry. Materialistic. Self centered. He needs a hug. <laughs> Self centered. Self centered. Who said materialistic? Yeah. Yeah. What is the whole. Serve wheat coffee. Serve we coffee. <laughs> That's the worst. That's the worst vice right there. So, <clears throat> I wish I could have shown you this, but if I had shown you some of the scene before you're introduced to Scrooge, there's this scene of the whole community of London. And it's the scene of community. They are all rejoicing in Christmas. They're all going around sharing things, music playing. It is an aspect of community. You get a glimpse of that in the office with Scrooge when Fred, his nephew, comes. Because what what is his nephew doing? He's inviting him to come out of his aloneness. And to come in and experience the joy of Christmas, which is the joy of community with one another, the, the joy of fun and fellowship and being together, all of these things. So, in other words, one of the things that Scrooge has done out of his brokenness is he has made himself entirely alone. How many of us in our brokenness keep true community at an arm's length sometimes? It's just food for thought. But you're absolutely right. What we see in Ebenezer Scrooge, we see the vice of anger. I started thinking about some of the vices compared to the virtues. The vice of anger. There's no peace in him. The vice of avarice and greed are there. He is a miser. You put it perfectly back there. He's a miser who looks to make the greatest dollar at the expense of others and without the care of others. It's all about him. He is the center of his own universe. And he is utterly alone. But he's made himself that way. We need to find out why. What I'm going to show you now, and then we'll have our final discussion just for the morning, we're going to look at Scrooge's call to repentance. When we look at this, in fact, do it before we do, I do need to read this. I wanted to read you a quote, sorry. A quote straight from Dickens' classic describing Scrooge. Oh, but he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone Scrooge. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. Hard and sharp as flint, from which no steel had ever struck out generous fire. I love that statement. Secret and self-contained, as solitary as an oyster. The cold within him froze his old features, nipped his pointed nose, shriveled his cheek, stiffened his gait, made his eyes red, his thin lips blue, and spoke out shrewdly in his grating voice. The man is half human. The man is not truly human. This is who he is. And so now we look at his call to repentance by Jacob Marley. Please pay attention when I show this. Listen to the words of Jacob Marley, what he's trying to present to Scrooge about himself based on his own experience having died and the suffering eternal that he is enduring because he lived the same life. Let's have a look.
1: I can do it. You don't believe in me. I don't. What evidence would you have of my reality beyond that of your own senses? Why do you doubt your senses? Because a little thing affects them, a slight disorder of the stomach. It might be a bit of bad beef, a bloody mustard, or a fragment of an underdone potato. You are a gravy in a grave, aren't you? Whatever you are, I tell you, humbuck. Mercy. <laughs> right. Dreadful apparition. Why do you trouble, man of the world? They Do you believe in me or not? Do and us. Why do spirits walk the earth? Why do you come to me? It is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellow men and travel far and wide. And if that spirit goes not forth in life, it is condemned to do so after death. It is. Wander through the world, and witness what he cannot share, but might have held and turned to her Chain to why I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard. This pattern strange to you. How would you know the weight and length of the strong coin you bear yourself? It was as full, as heavy, and as long as this seven Christmas season ago, you have labor on it since it is a ponderous chain. Christino chain. Nine were invisible until the day of my death. As yours shall be. Tell me, more speak comfort to me. I have none to give. My spirit never walked beyond our counting house. In life, my spirit never roved beyond the narrow limits of our money changing hole. And after that, you've always been a good man in business. Business! Mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity. With my friend's from Ridge Wallet. Ridge Wallet is the answer to, like, the old-fashioned... Mercy, forbearance, and benevolence for all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my bitterness. I'm sorry for your is there anything I can do for me? Nay, it is too late. But I have come for your sake, Ebenezer. Have you? Will you always were a good friend. As part of my penance, I have been sent to warn you. Yes, you help? And to offer you a hope and chance of escaping my fate, you will be haunted by three spirits. Three spirits? Is that the chance of hope you mention? It is. Well, in that case, I think I'd rather not. Expect the first tonight, when the bell tolls one. (laughs) Couldn't they all come at the same time? (laughs) (laughs) Expect the second of the stroke of shall appear in his own good time. Look to me no more. Look that you may remember what has passed between us.
0: having to endure that he's warning Scrooge of? Hell. No. I'm sorry? No. Mm-hmm. Hell. And what the is it? Describe Jacob Marley's hell. The weight of his sin. The weight of his sin? Contraplosive. Did you catch some of the language that he says? He says that man is given the spirit to walk the earth while he's alive. And if that spirit does not walk on earth through us, it is condemned to walk the earth in eternity witnessing what it cannot share, but might have shared when alive. There's another version of A Christmas Carol where after Jacob Marley goes out the window... Scrooge goes and looks and what does he see? He sees all of these ghosts. And you see these suffering people, a mom and her child and various people in the cold of the winter of London. And they're there weeping over the suffering. And they're weeping because now they see it, but now they can't do anything about it. It's the suffering of the absence of love you know the church fathers many times over it's a mystery this this description of hell you know our lord jesus christ uses language of fire and torment and so on the church fathers also speak of this as whether it's literal or not the torment of the absence of god and that's what jacob is enduring so what are the reasons that that scrooge is being called to repentance or to repent from what? What you need to repent from based on what Jacob Marley has said. all of the things that we listed before. Everything we listed before is clearly what Jacob is now suffering because that's the way he lived and he never came out of it. The greed, the aloneness, the lack of community, the complete uh, denial of the suffering. Okay. In fact, this whole idea, I want to turn your attention to this as we kind of wrap up. But this whole idea of repentance and what, the need for repentance and what Jacob Marley is experiencing in death. It comes from the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Remember the parable of the rich man and Lazarus? Rich man lives all of his days, goes in and out of his gate of his house, and right at the gate of his house is this poor man Lazarus, who's suffering with sores all of his days, a life of eternal suffering in this life. The rich man has everything; but he never pays any attention to Lazarus, never does anything for Lazarus. Right there at his gate, and they both die. Lazarus goes into what is called the bosom of Abraham, where he is given eternal comfort. Since he suffered all of his life. But not the rich man. The rich man is enduring the torture and the fires of hell. And he is crying out as he sees Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham. And he's crying out to God. Let me go share. With those I know. So they know to turn their lives around. But they're not allowed to at that point. You see what I'm saying? From his suffering after life. Lazarus wants to do what Jacob Marley was being given the opportunity to do on behalf of Scrooge. The suffering of the absence of God. It's like we have said all the time, I've quoted C.S. Lewis on this all the, many, many times over, that in the end, when we stand before the Lord, there will be those who say to God, Thy will be done, and they will enter into paradise. There will be those who, to whom God says, Thy will be done. Two weeks from now, and I hope you will have watched the whole, either film or read the book, so that you have it all in your head. Because we're going to begin going ghost by ghost. <laughs> Taking a look at, uh, two weeks from now, we will look at the past. Why Scrooge is like he is today. Why he has made the choices he has made and the suffering that he has because of it. We're also going to be called in between weeks to examine. To, for this couple of weeks... Start preparing yourself to walk through Advent and repentance like we talked about today. After we watch the ghost of Christmas past, we're going to take a week and I pray you will let the Holy Spirit examine your past. But that's for that week. Let's stand.